This is the Black Creative Handbook with your host Cassandra Lauren Gordon. This podcast will help to inspire, motivate and give that blueprint, the manual for success for people in the creative businesses, for people from the African and Black diaspora to help us just move along, get that bag, and no more starving artist syndrome. No, out the door. Co-work with us. Be with us and be successful and get the gems. You might have heard in the podcast or you're going to hear it soon that this was called the Creative For You podcast. Don't worry about that. It's created for you. Let's be successful and be positive. Shade Josephs, thank you for being part of the Created For You podcast. I'm very happy to be here. Can you introduce yourself in two sentences? In two sentences? Yeah, I could try. Um, so my name is Shade Joseph. Um, I'm a music producer slash writer, musician um, from East London. And yeah, that's that's it for the most part. And I and also um, workshop facilitator as well. Wow. Yeah. So just full round artist extraordinaire, but in yeah, we're talk- right. okay, but we're just talking in this capacity of being working in the music sphere and creating bespoke music for artists and creating bespoke sounds for theatre and other events. So um, is it would people say sound soundscaping? Is that what you do? Sound design. Sound design. Okay, great. Yeah. So we always do these fireside chats, trying to get deeper into the person because we believe like people buy from people, people know people. So um, what advice would you give to your 10-year-old self? I would say that don't worry about your body too much hmm. um, because I I grew... But I like I developed quite early, <laughs> and um, it was very very awkward for me. And okay. I used to do sports. I used to be an athlete as well. And that's what I wanted to be. So I would say, yeah, not to worry about your body too much. Don't make that a focus. Like just focus on getting through <laughs> and into. You mean you mean getting through your teenagers? Is that yeah? Is getting that through adolescence. Yeah. Don't worry about your body. Just focus on just getting through. Okay, that's very okay. interesting because like adolescence is such a tricky time. I don't want to be ad- right. adolescence again <laughs> because it's weird because you feel like, or maybe I'm talking for you, or maybe you, you can clarify. It's like you kind of think that you're grown and you kind of looking grown, but you can't do grown things. And you, everyone's telling right. you what to do, like from your teachers yeah. to the people to your parents. You just like leave me alone. But you realize when you're adult, you're like, oh, I want to be back to a child again, and you can't win. Yeah, so. it's a really weird time. It's because it's the time when everyone doesn't know who they really are anymore. Mm. Like, I feel like as children, we know who we are. Mm. And then we get to that stage where we're kind of going into, like, a mini society, like, school. Like, people try to act like what mm. they think they should act like. You know what I mean? So you're just going through that whole process for a good five or six, seven years or whatnot. So it's really hard to, like, get a grasp on who you are. Mm. So, yeah, it's a tough time. Okay. I think we underestimate how tough it, it is it is especially with this social media thing but that's another that's another story so we heard advice you give to your 10 year old self so now you're still kind of in adolescence i think adolescence finishes when you're 18 21 ish whatever whatever country you come from um so what advice would you give to your 18 year old self 
would say that I'll okay, I got it, I got it. I'll say don't chase happiness because happiness is always going to be there because you know if you happiness for me is the moments that you create around other people as well you know and i'll say chase contentment because contentment is like will always be there it's something that you own it's not attached to something else outside of you and contentment is like having being able to be okay regardless of what's going on so i'd say like chase that like i think happiness is like yeah it's not the ideal thing to chase, like how we, you know, how we grew up, how we grow up and are told, like, you know, make sure you're happy and make sure you're this. And it was always attached to other things, you know, but contentment is like something that's inside of you that, that you own, that no one can take away from you regardless. So, yeah. I just feel like I was going through like a nice TED TED talk and I just need you to expand <laughs> a little bit on that. Because I'm just like, I'm trying to work out, oh my God, what have I been doing all my life? So could you just like give more clarity about this contentment and happiness? Because when you said it, it just sounded so right. But I'm not sure if I really, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the same page because I'm just like. Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. So I think that, like I said, for me, happiness, the idea of happiness is always attached to things that we're supposed to chase, whether that's people or whether that's uh objects materialistic things or like an ideal kind of life Mm. Uh, Mm. but contentment is like the smallest 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 things that you can truly enjoy in a day so whether that's like you know what today's been a terrible day but guess what i've i'm gonna watch this tv series later on and that's my contentment and really like owning that and like saying that this is for me it's not just seeing it as oh i'm just watching tv it's like i needed this moment today because everything else has been so bad so those little moments of contentment whether that's like you hear somebody laugh or mm, you know mm. a child like and I feel like contentment becomes a um a task like tasks to do like like how can I feel okay today regardless of what's happening because I think it's so easy to summarize your whole day when something bad happens or something difficult mm, happens mm. so to like my thing is for me like I make it more of a mission to be like you know what regardless of what's happening like the worst of the worst and for me like over the past year like the worst of the worst has happened and I'm like but guess what I had this moment on the phone with my friend and we laughed for three hours you know and that kept me a bit more sane than it would if I didn't have that so that's why I say like contentment for me is like it's more important happiness is still important don't get me wrong happiness is is still important but I don't think it's the only thing that is important because it can be taken away okay i hear you so contentment is important so it's like sprinkling these moments and like self-care to make sure that you're okay to get through this challenging sometimes especially in in these times a thing called life okay i hear you yeah what are you most curious about now i'm curious about a lot of stuff i'm a child inside still so i'm I'm sure you're your parents child so yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, um if I, musically, I'm curious about um the the new sounds that are, are happening right now because I feel like there's there's two there's two things happening in the music for me on a big level. There's a resurgence of everything that's happened in the past twenty, thirty years. Could you and expand on that? Because I'm not really into music so, when I was in my younger days. Like, 
Okay, so basically, like, you're, you're a fan of 90s R&B, right? Yeah. Right, so there's a lot of people that are sampling 90s R&B music now. Mm-hmm. When you hear music, that's like, oh, that's a melody from a Donnell Jones album, or that's a melody from SWV. And so there's a resurgence of music that's already been here, that's that's already impacted music. Mm-hmm. So there's a resurgence of some music that sounds like it's pop music from the 80s or soul. Mm, and, mm, or mm. There's a resurgence of that. But also, there are really, really new sounds that people are trying to box into genres. Well, I feel like genres of music is kind of, um, I feel like it's breaking down more because the yeah. system is like so old mm. and people are making so many different types of music now. It's like you can't just call that R&B soul or R&B electronic because yeah. there's so much within the music. So I'm curious of how much access I have to the millions of artists that are out there now. So I'm just curious to find music. I think it's because it's easy. To, it's so easy to find music now. You can literally just go on Spotify and you have a you know a list of recommendations that's tied to one artist. Or you go on YouTube and you have so many different suggestions. So I'm just curious of finding the new, whatever's new, the new sound that's going to interest me. And, um, and I'm also curious about all of the London artists that are out at the moment. Mm. Uh, because I think about the UK on a national scale, we just like to kind of uh, box things up into three different things. So whether that's like the Afro swing movement right now, or whether that's the grime Afro pop swing. movement. Yeah, Afro swing is like all of the, the Afro beats inspired music that's happening in the UK right now. Mm. Where I'm just like, it's good. Like there's some good stuff happening, but I feel like as the as a country, as a, as a nation, we kind of just pinpoint certain sounds like nothing else is happening. So you said that people are trying to box like different types of music and you think like things are not going on. So what do you mean like that? Like we don't have our British music anymore. Have we lost the identity? Everything's been all globalised or... Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think we've, we've always been a hub of like like creatives that have been influenced by all kinds of music all over the world because of how our country is right mm-hmm. so the afro swing movement is always going to be um relevant because of the, how many people are african british african in the country and british caribbean in the country as well so that that movement is always going to be big but i think what we do as a nation is that we just kind of um we only lean towards those um genres we don't really take notice of everything else that's happened in the country. Mm. Whereas I think in America, there's more diversity in... You can you, you always say that, okay, this type of music is the biggest type of music in America or whatever, mm. but there's so much more diversity in what they show mm. and how, how they praise. But in this country, we don't we don't really do that as much. So I'm curious about all of the artists that I know from London. So I have a big ecosystem of people that I know that are doing really, really cool and doing innovative stuff. So I'm just curious to see how they're going to grow and how they're going to um, put out their material and how they're going to capture that. Because it's hard, like I said, in this country, it's hard to um, promote yourself and promote your sound when it's not the sound that is popping at the moment. Okay, so pop, pop music, whatever is popular, what people get, or the pop, like popular, popular contest, um, yeah. that's, that's what pop is, a popular contest. Whatever the mass is like in a commercial it's way, cool. If it doesn't sound like it, people are like, what's that? So people have to be gently yeah. in, introduced yeah. into it, especially in this country. Okay, I hear you. 
So in this podcast, we're trying to get into the nitty gritty about how you create bespoke special memories for your clients and for different people. So one strand of what you do of a multifaceted new polymath as, as an artist, but talk about music. You are a music producer and I don't meet many female music producers who create dope stuff. So can you tell me how do you get into being a music producer and produce for other artists? So in school, um, we had to learn music production part of our GCSEs. Um, so I talked music in school. Really? Like GCSE yeah. music production? No, so I did GCSE music, okay. but music production was one of the, like, we had to do it um, for one of our exams and stuff. So I literally learned how to use Logic, um, Pro 9, and I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And then I went to music college, um, but I went to music college as a performing musician. So performing musician is just somebody that gigs, that does loads of gigs and learns songs to gig with different artists and stuff like that. So I did that, but we had other um, modules mm-hmm. as well. So, we, But because I had access to Apple Mac computers at college, I would just produce, I would just make beats mm. all the time. Mm. And so I had a friend, me and my friend would just make beats all the time. Every day we'd just make beats. Mm-hmm. And that's literally how I got into producing. So we we did stuff just for fun. I worked with some other people just, just for fun. And then over time, it was just, I just got better and better. I just practiced and practiced more. And I just got to a point where I started to, in the beginning, I was mimicking other producers that I love. That's how you start, right? Mm. But then after a while, I started questioning like how I could go about making music differently. And so, yeah, literally just being, just being around different artists and different songwriters and stuff and just being community is important when it comes to producing for people because you could one person say you know what Shade like did this beat for me and they're like oh I really like that beat who did that and then you get to know that person if you like that person they tell other people and initially that's how I started getting into like producing for different people so community so that's interesting for people having their personal service business or creating bespoke it's about increasing your network and yeah. I find it really tricky as a jeweler how uh, do I increase my network? So it seems like you did it very organically. So what did you do so you can get all these clients and people to work with you? So it started off by being in a music college. Is, first of all, is the easiest thing to meet people, um, other musicians, because you're just that's just a place where people are looking to connect with people to mm. do stuff. And then outside of that, just going to playing gigs, doing events. And then um, having studio sessions where, where I'd know certain artists and like, oh, I'm going to the studio and do you want to come with me? And just seeing people work there and working in the studio, just like vibing with people in the studio. Just, oh, someone wants someone wants um, piano or keyboard in their beat that I'll just play, you know. And from then, it's just word just goes around with different people that go to the studio or go to these different places. And so, yeah, networking is definitely has been the basically how I got it through <laughs> as a producer like actually just meeting people but meeting people not just on a music level but being able to actually talk to people and actually have a conversation with people outside of music how how, uh, like, how do you do that who do is it just create if you hang around with how does that work yeah so whether that's in the studio whether you're just there's times when you're working with musicians when people are not making music people are literally just talking so you know sometimes if you connect with people just on a on a general human basis, mm. you know, then they might be more willing to work with you. Um, 
but yeah definitely recommendations as well from from people and i've also worked with organizations and stuff as well and i also i used to go to um the london symphony orchestra they had a a weekly club mm. for young people um for music production so i met a lot of people there as well and yeah we would work on music towards shows and we do a summer show every year in the main hall so i got to meet other musicians professional musicians as well mm-hmm. so yeah there's 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 so many ways that i've definitely that i've met people over the years okay interesting interesting so it just seems like you you're very well liked person you go out there you create good music people hear from you so the proof is in the pudding it's like that saying i probably butchers saying a lot what's that saying it's like when you build something people come i can't remember but you get the gist so yeah, good on you that, so yeah. that's there okay so walk me through someone likes you you, you got a referral and people are like i want to work with Shade mm-hmm. as a music producer from the phone call or the initial conversation to actually yeah. making the music and you produce it and give it to them to right. do what they want. Walk me through that process of music producer life, working with the client because, oh, working with an artist because every artist comes with their own different things and their own temperaments and their own desires and own directions. Yeah. So how do you do that? So walk me through that. So music production wise, because it's different with sound design, with sound design, has been more attached to um, like a, a organization project or like a theater project that's trying to book me um, or a director that's working for a theater or so, so and so. But music production is usually just me and the artist direct together. So music production wise, usually I like to talk to people, whether that's like we go for lunch or you come to my house or come to your house, we just talk. We just get to know each other first because I feel like it's important to get to know an artist, what they've been through as an artist with other producers because a lot of people um, have come to me and say and said, I want to work with you because other producers don't get me mm, <laughs> because mm, they mm. try and impose their ideas and what they think they should be doing as opposed to trying to build with them because they don't want to because some producers are limited in what they can produce, whether that's like, Maybe they're uh, a producer that specializes in R&B and hip hop. They don't know how to use influences that are like indie influences or rock influences, etc. So they try and impose what they want out of the artist and the artist doesn't feel, um, they feel restricted. So what I do is I just like to have a conversation with them, talk to them, get to know them, and then use that kind of energy to just vibe first. Mm. I give I give artists time to explore and I always push them to explore and to use whatever influences they want to use and so yeah, I feel like as a writer for me I always go into making music as a musician one, but also what is what do they want out of what their songs or mm. what their music, what do they want out of it? Mm. What do they want to feel? Mm. Um how to execute their experience in the song and yeah so I go I I I um yeah I try and have all of these aspects in place and I try I always say to an artist it's important to try because you're not going to get it on the first within the first session sometimes you know and so yeah for me it's important to have a connection for us to vibe for us to have an understanding um and just give them a chance to, to, to feel like it's a safe space. Um, 
So, yeah. So how long does it take? Because bear in mind, as a layman, a lame person, like, like sometimes I hear when someone record one song, like a three-minute, four-minute song, it can take days. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that process. In my head, I thought, you have the music or you have your lyrics and then you just sing it and the singer, yeah. if they're a good singer, they should get it on point and sing, sing the pitch yeah. and that. So can you break yeah. it down for me of a normal, I don't know what normal means, but a normal four-minute, three-minute song for the radio. I'm, I'm just making it up, but... Okay. How, like okay. what is the creative process i know it varies from art to artist but could you walk me okay. through it okay i'll give you i'll give you an example so a singer might have maybe they might have a song that they have in mind already like this is a song that i've written and then i would interrogate that and say okay if we're looking to go into this production wise we have to think about like i said the experience so it's not just the song anymore the song might be good already but we have to think about okay, let me try all these different sounds that might boost this song to where it needs to be. So whether that's me going away and creating some ideas, going back to them and saying, what do you think about this? Just going back and forth with that, having the track. So maybe you may have like a, a, a rough skeleton of the track. Because mm. my, my thing is like, as a producer, mm-hmm. the beat is never finished until the vocals are recorded and everything around it is finished. Okay. The beat I always go with a skeleton or mm. something rough. So we're going with the rough skeleton of the mm. beat and then we'd have the recording session, whether that however long that takes, maybe mm-hmm. like a maybe have one session, maybe like three hours, for mm-hmm. instance. And we would record um just basically just what the song is already, but then we'll try different ways of because recording the recording session is is different from doing anything live because with live you can do whatever you want you can just do it and it's over but recording you're really trying to capture the emotional um experience of what they're they're singing about so we'd experiment in the studio and maybe do that for a session so you'd have by the end of the session would have um the first draft of the song mm. so we'd come back and then i'd work on further production see how else we can elevate it come back with vocal ideas go back to the studio record those vocal ideas etc etc so say that the song is done within three sessions for Mm, for example mm, mm. then we'd have to mix the song down Mm -hmm. and that mixing would probably take maybe a month let's just say a month maybe maybe if you're depending on it like for me sorry i'm i'm a bit impatient i'm like i want it now so it could could take a while so all these people like it takes a while i thought you because on my little Instagram life, when I see, like, right. I'm making it up, like, rappers, they just go into the thing, they do the spit, 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 beep, 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 and then it's out. No? It's, it's, not, it's not like that. Yeah. But see, that depends on the kind of music. It depends on your musical intention, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you can do that. You can go into the studio and just do stuff and then record it. And Because you're probably going to have somebody that's going to mix it down for you. Mm-hmm. And then also... Mix down, I'm sorry, so I don't, I don't understand what you mean. Mixing, mixing down is basically... You have when you record a song, you're just gonna have it. It's gonna be the vocals and the the volume and everything of of mm. everything is gonna be all over the place. So, um, a mix engineer is somebody that just makes sure that the sounds are that it sounds correct and it's not not anything's too loud or too quiet or too soft, too hard, things like that. So, the mix engineer will mix the song down. With rappers that do that, there are techniques that um engineers have to mix um, songs down within 
in a short amount of time because they go by a certain strategy for them to mix it and that can get it done very quickly. So usually those kind of rappers will they'll rap whatever, they do whatever, the engineer will mix it down quickly, but maybe within an hour or two hours a day or whatnot. They'll get the song back, they can put it um off the distribution, which might take a week or a few days, depending on the kind of distribution they have. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then they, they can put the song out. But for me, as a producer, I am I'm I'm very involved in the mix engineer side as well. Mm. I'm not a mix engineer at the moment, but I work very closely with the engineer. So what's the difference what between I... you as a music producer and an engineer? So as a producer, I'm the person that creates the music and the engineer is the person that just basically level makes sure the levels of the music is correct mm. in terms of mixing. They don't they have anything to do with creating yeah and sometimes people are both some some people are producer engineers so they do both but yeah so i work with the engineer to make sure that whatever song and track or or project i'm working on that i'm happy with all of the the mixes because if i'm not happy with it we're going to (laughs) we're going to keep doing this until i'm happy with it so So that's why i talk longer it sounds yeah. like a iterative process. You just keep on going until it's right. So who says it's yeah. right? You or, or the client? When do you know it's right for this music? Which could take days, it could take an hour, it could take whatever time, but how do you know when it's right? So for me, it depends on the relationship I have with the artist. So if, if me and the artist are working together and we're like, okay, well, even though it's your project, you trust me and you trust me on making these decisions, then it's going to take a while because we're going to go back and forth until we're both happy. But if it's an artist that's like, they want me to come on board and to help with that ideas. If they're happy with it, then I'll tell them my opinion. But if they don't, if they don't agree with my opinion or whatnot, I'm like, okay, cool, do your thing, because I know at the end of the day, it's something that I'm coming on to on board to do, as opposed to like I'm sitting there with you and creating this from from scratch, and we're gonna build this together. So yeah, it depends on the relationship with the artist. Sometimes it's I get to have. I'll sit with an artist and they say to me, Shadi, I want to work with you on an EP or I want to work on this song with you. And they're looking for my guidance. Whereas other people are just like, I just want you to come on board and to, to produce this with me and to do this. And then they just take it wherever they want to take it. So you tailor the experience to what the client wants and you negotiate that first yeah. so you know where, 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 where you're going. Fine. Okay, yeah. I hear you. Okay, so we looked at music producer life. And also, is there any, like, misconceptions of a female... I shouldn't always say female, but is there any misconceptions about a music producer or a female music producer? I I, I don't know music producing life. Anything you'd like to share? Yes, definitely. I'm I'm, I'm all for women music producers. um, And I don't mind being called that at all because it's important. the misconceptions, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I read a statistic recently, I think we are women in production and engineering and anything to do with um, behind the scenes that's not like an artist directly, an artist or anybody like that is like 33%, I think, mm-hmm. which is a big increase in the industry. But um, yeah, the misconceptions, mostly the studio and working with artists is very male-based. Mm. and as a producer because as an artist is a different experience sometimes women artists they have an experience where 
they're just being told what to do and they just go along with it and or they're being sexualized so i've had so i've worked with women artists that are like i don't want to work with these men because every time i go to the studio somebody's trying to come on to me and i just want to have a studio so yeah like literally every producer that they've worked with has tried to has tried something on them because of right so luckily as a producer i haven't had that um experience but what i've had is that um when i know what i'm talking about some of the male producers or male engineers feel undermined mm. and they feel like i um they feel their ego gets in a way where they feel like because they know that i know more than them or i know that i know what i'm talking about they feel threatened mm. so there's i've definitely had misconceptions where i've been in the studio session people look at me like what do you know you're mm. just here or assuming that i'm not there for anything because another thing that happens in the studio as well but depending on what studios you go to um or environments that you go to is that sometimes women are just a mistake in the studio they're mm. just there just there for the to, guys and no, just there for the guys to just sit there to look cute or they're there to to do stuff with people like you know what i mean so <laughs> you can't see like we're, we're talking through the uh, we're talking but i can see shade's eyes like do that do stuff with people okay i i, I understand <laughs> in the studio you know what i mean <laughs> okay so i've had that where people come into the studio and assume that i'm just sitting there for you know i'm just there for no reason i know it you know ignore me or just yeah so i feel yeah that misconception that women are not capable of creating um of of being a producer and um or being good, really good at what they do. So it's all it's also a surprise like you did that? You actually created that? Wow. You know? It's like wow. I, I have skills, I can do stuff, but <laughs> because I'm a <laughs> like it's you know, the attachment of how great things can be is always, you know, to men, right? So when people hear what I've done, they're like, Wow, I can't believe a woman produced this, you know. So yeah, the women's capabilities as a producer is definitely, you know, there's a misconception about that for sure. Wow. Um, in 2020. In 2020 still, you know, but because there's not, I think because there's more producers out there now, there's not loads, but there's more that people can look to and say, well, she created this album or she created this Who are famous, like, like, music producers apart from you? I don't know who. Who? I don't know. I don't know. All I know of music producer who I liked back in the day, early 2000s, was um, Neptunes and Pharrell. That's who I loved. And a bit of Teddy Riley, who was just growing up in the 90s. And Dark Child. This, sorry, these are R&B, yeah. hip, uh, hip-hop-y kind of people. But I don't know music, music producers. I don't know. Some of my favourites as well, you yeah. mm. know. Any yeah, other like, women? Growing up. Growing up, the only um, producer in music that I knew was Missy because oh she's oh, for, she oh my god I need I need I need I nearly swore of course Missy I forgot right. about her sorry <laughs> I forgot Missy I'm uh, sorry right Missy but no it's cool no it's cool but I didn't have a lot of women that I looked up to growing up as producers songwriters yeah but not producers but nowadays like for me growing up there's a producer called Wonder Girl and she's my well she she thinks she's like a year or two years younger than me but I grew up watching her. And she won Battle of the Beatmakers, which is a, a production um, competition that's based in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And every year, they, these beatmakers come 
and whoever wins, they win, I think it's $100,000 or something like that. Yeah. They win big, they big a big check, they win, right? And um, I watched her two years straight. The first year she didn't win, but the second year she came back and she won it. And she was 16 at the time. What? I, yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, this woman is, she just really spared me on to produce even more because I'm like, she can do it. I can, I can definitely get into like making beats and doing more. So, and she's, she's produced for Jay-Z, you know, um, Kanye West, Travis Scott, Scissor. Um, yeah, and now she has her own label and she has her own artist now and she's doing so, so good. So, but, um, another, another producer that I really love, her name's Emma V, but she's an artist. Um, so when I first got into her, she's English as well. She's from North London, I think. Yeah. And, um, I first got into her, she was just a producer. I, but she made that transition into artists. Now she's one of the biggest artists, like from London. Now she's doing really well. Um, so yeah, she's another inspiration for me as well. So yeah, okay. I hear you. Okay, so we're transitioning from music producer life, going to to sound designer. Um, how did you get into sound design for theatres and other uh, other productions? Because you're not just doing it for one person. You're thinking about your client, who's a director, whoever. And then you're thinking yeah. about the audience as well. So walk me through that process. Um, no, no, no. I, I, actually, two different things. So let me go back. Tell me, how do you get into sound design and being a sound sound designer first? So a couple years back, um, Tristan, who you know, one of the best directors I know, um, his play, Sweet Like Chocolate Boy, mm-hmm. was coming back and he needed a sound designer. And he approached me and he said, you know, I want you to do sound design. At the time, I had no idea what that meant. I was just like, okay. Okay. <laughs> right? So I was like, okay, cool. So literally from him and just being friends with him, Manuel, and um, who he's known, they've, they've been working together, and um, Janice as well. So really just mutual friends that have, um, you know, like led me to him basically and he he saw some of my music online and was like oh i think you can do this and because it was more music based as well so it was like um because it was talking about the play was exploring like night it's garage music and grime and stuff like that so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i feel like he wanted a producer to come on to do sound design as well um so yeah that's literally how i started and from there other friends that were producing mm. um, plays or around mm. plays from sound design from mm. there. And yeah, it's literally been friends <laughs> that mm. have got me onto these projects. And um, I did a production with Young Vic last year mm-hmm. because the um, movement director on Sweet Like Chocolate brought me onto that project mm-hmm. and were recommended me for that project. And um, at first, they weren't going to give me the job because <laughs> I didn't have um, the experience that they wanted and I didn't have the equipment that they needed. But just off of the conversation, they really liked who I was and they liked my passion and they said that they believed that I can bring what I can bring to this to this role. So, yeah, luckily it's been through the power of friendship. and Networking, <laughs> also, networking, that's how it's called. so important, it's so important. <laughs> And and also when you're friends with people that are good at what they do, mm. other people will trust them. So if they if they say, okay, I want to bring you onto a project, other people won't like kind of deny or 
kind of be the power um, of the referral. So you can't f it up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I got into it. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So you got that. So what is the process of being a sound designer? So when I go to a theatre. Yeah. I just feel like it's just music, isn't it? So could you? Right, I'm right, sure right, there's right. more than that. So tell of me. Course. Yeah. The sound design really is really um, is creating the sound of whatever the world of the play is. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to, your audience has to come in and believe that they're in that play, in that in that place, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what the sound design is really about. Is really creating that world, and for me, what I have to do to that is I have to break down the text. So I have to be in rehearsals to see how the director, the director, um, the director's notes and how what they're giving to the actors, what they want out of how the actors are are saying certain things and mm-hmm. and what the character and understanding the character's journey. Mm-hmm. All of these things are important, and um, and then from there, I would usually just spend a bunch of time. I go to every rehearsal. Mm. I don't think sound. I don't know any of the sound designers that go to all the rehearsals, but I it's for me. Yeah, I anyway. I go to auditions. I go to the rehearsal. Yeah, I go wow, to you're Fora. You're Fora. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I go to all of that just so I can really get into the the, the texture of, mm. of the, mm. the play, and then from then on, it's just taking it scene by scene, and just imagining. I try and imagine what the characters like. The life of the character. Mm. So even though I know as a player, I just try and imagine like, okay, this the it says in the scene that the character is walking home. You know, I'm like, okay, what does that sound like? If in this in this place, what does what does that? Mm. So I try and get into the character's head, mm. and yeah, so I do a lot of work on text and understanding the actual play before I even incorporate sound ideas. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it's usually a process—a process of creating sound ideas, bringing it to the director, saying, "What do you think about this? What What else do you want?" And also having conversations with the director. Um, I work well with um, describing, yeah, like I said, textures. So it's like, okay, I want this scene to feel like it's a walk in a park at nine p.m. and there's breeze, and like I work well with that kind of description. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I can get into the feeling of how it should feel, um, as opposed to just creating sound. Because my thing is that you have to believe that you're that the sound has to make you believe that you're somewhere. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, touching those. So how do you heighten those senses then to make me feel like all right? I'm not just listening to like a a a, a recording. It's actually in in sync. How do you make sure it's heightened? What techniques do you use? So what I try and do, like they vary, um, but I'm trying to explain, how do I explain it in 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 a normal way that's not so technical? Yeah, I try. I try and um, okay. Let me give you an example. So uh, with a player I did called Ilawa mm-hmm. um, by Tabulisi, um, it was about a play of, of people that were being kept in a holding cell mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because. Legal, so I said to myself, "Okay, if you're in this place all day, you're being held here. 
what does that feel like? You feel restricted, you feel uncertain, you don't know what's going to happen to you. And But at the same time, all these characters have moments where they have memories and they have thoughts. So for me to create that tension, I just had a hum, like a sound that's kind of like a ambient kind of hum sound, which is when you have that kind of sound, it's not subjective to a particular emotion, but it makes you feel like something's going to happen. Um, or it makes you feel, un- if it doesn't make you feel safe, right? So for me, I wouldn't just use just the sound um, to, oh, how do I say it? Yeah, I wouldn't just use a sound um, just to create for the space, but also when the audience come in here, how are the audience feeling? How do I make the sound that makes the audience feel weird about themselves? Like, So my thing is like, yeah, you want to create the world for the play, but you also want to you want the audience to be reflective on how they feel about what's going on as well. Um, so yeah, for me, I try and it's hard to explain. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> not but, to make yeah, it too technical, and not giving all yeah. of your secret juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, I, I could imagine. So who yeah. is your ideal client then from a music music perspective, like a music producer or as a sound designer? Who are your ideal client or people you are ideal to be matched or, or work with? I think music-wise, my ideal customer um, is someone that knows what they want but also is willing to explore um, what they didn't know that they needed. Um and and just having the time to actually spend to explore that. Mm. So ideally, you know, it'd be great to work with people and say, you know what? Okay, we um, I'm gonna give myself six months to work on this project. Mm. And, um, yeah. So I'm, timing I'm, to have the organic relationship is very important. Relationship is very important because especially with. If if you're coming to me and you're saying, okay, I'm gonna I'm writing these songs that are very personal to me about mm. people about, which is the kind of people that I like working with as well. I like working with people that are that want to tell their story, and it's gonna take a lot to tell their story. Mm. Not just, not just. Um, don't get me wrong, I value other people as well. Like, but ideally, I love working with people that like, mm. okay. This is gonna take a while to uh <laughs> to write and to produce. I hate, okay. I've still got some on. I still got things to process as a person. So some some songwriting sessions might not even be music writing. We mm. might just have a conversation. You know, what I mean, it's mm. like okay, today we have a session, but we didn't even make music today because we still need to get through certain conversations about that things that you need to process. And how is that making me feel? I need to process stuff as well. That because I'm bringing energy into mm. this project, so how my process and what I'm going through, you know, all of those things and really getting to know somebody before we even, because producing music with an artist is an investment and you don't really want to invest in too much if you're not getting on with somebody because mm. it's really not best. It's really not the best thing and you're not going to get the best out of um, music when you do that. Mm. My thing is the people that I love and I listen to that have impacted me and when I when I watch the behind the scenes of the makings of the albums or the projects mm. and they talk about you can tell that they're friends or that, that there was a friendship there or that there was some type of kinship there 
for them to work. And when you go and listen to the album, you can hear it. You can hear that the musicians came together and you can hear that the artists worked mm. closely. Like everything is in sync. Mm. And for me, that's, that's where the best music is, is made, is when people are on the same page. Because if you're not on the same page with people, the music can be good, but it's not going to be effective. Mm. So that, that's important for me. Okay. So as we're coming to the end of this lovely podcast, it's usually giving so much information of music producer life because I'm I'm not even in that sphere, which I hope to be one day. Um, you talk about how the client, the, the, the artists you work with, how you make sure the relationship, the process, you can explore, make it a journey so you can bring the best. So time is a factor if it's allowed. Yeah. And having yeah. that rapport with someone, that relationship, is in is is important as well and you talk about people who you want to work with so just to round off just a few more um questions like how do you make that experience when you work with art is very memorable so people remember this um yeah that's a good when i read that i was like that's a good see i tried to prepare (laughs) i try it's not just preparing it's like being it's being cautious of what the best thing you can get out of people's experience and mm. knowing those are those are the kind of questions that actually get into the intricacies of what people do because mm. it's i think it's easy to just ask people you know what kind of stuff do you produce and it's like mm, that's not going to really get to the the, 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 the um the heart of what you want to know mm. um so for me the me- the mem- most memorable experience yeah, I think going back to, like I said, like having, I do similar as well, where when I'm meeting somebody, I like to have questions that I want to ask them. Mm-hmm. Just having those memorable conversations. I think conversations are a huge thing. When I talk to artists, like, so I remember we had a conversation about that one thing and then we create a song after, we create a song idea after. So I think the conversations that lead to music making is very memorable. Um, also, when they if if the sessions happen at my house, I make sure I cook for for people. What? And yeah, I make sure they they're well fed. Pretend to be an artist now to come now. <laughs> I make sure I make them some food. Or Can you make veggie food? food. Uh huh. Veggie food because I'm I'm veggie. Veg- oh, I've got veggie. I can make veggie food. Like yeah. What about mac and cheese? Mac and cheese, yeah, mac and cheese. Okay. I love a good stir fry, vegetable stir fry. No, I, I love vegetables. You're not that so, far from me now. Now I've got a good excuse to come. I'm like, why are you here? Oh. <laughs> Don't Anytime. care about this um this coronavirus. I'm here for my food. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I, I try and just make sure that they're as comfortable as possible. And for me, the little things make the most memorable experiences. Um, having a back in other places so if we if we are working on stuff together know mm. that we're going to go to the studio eventually mm-hmm. and just make sure that 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 they know that I've got their back through the whole session because sometimes you're going to be working with strangers and you know maybe the person that's engineering is a stranger so you want them to feel supported mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and yeah so it's the little things that make the memorable experience i think for me just knowing that that they are important mm-hmm. and that their ideas matter mm-hmm. and that they can feel safe to 
speak about what they want or what they think because, like I said, some some artists are just used to going into a space and people telling them what to do. Mm. And so, yeah, for me, those are the things that just knowing that that I'm there for them. Yes, is, is important. Okay. Yeah. So just before we wrap up, wrap up. Thank you for coming. I just want to check: is how do people get to know you? How did they find you? Obviously, going to put things in the show notes, but please say to our listeners. Sweet, yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram um, at shad underscore lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on Twitter at shade joseph, and I've got some stuff on YouTube and SoundCloud and stuff like that. So it's ah. my name. So is it your work as an artist or is your work as a music producer? Which one? Both. 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 Okay, cool. So people can have a feel about who you are. Do you just work in certain genres or cross-genre? I don't know. These days. So I haven't got some of the stuff that I'm working on at the moment and that I've been working on over the last couple of years isn't out at the moment. Mm -hmm. So the EP slash album that I produced came out uh, in October. It was an artist named Shafiq. Mm-hmm. which is f-h-a-f dot i-q mm-hmm. and that album is hip-hop but it's more well, it's hip-hop but it's alternative so the, all of the songs in the album um are different they all kind of there's a song on there that's very i produced it based on um, a Nirvana song that that inspired me and there's the stuff on there that's more 90s hip-hop Room back kind of stuff, and there's stuff in there that has um dubstep influences. So dubstep. yeah, it kind mm-hmm. of yeah they it, it's a cross kind of cross genre kind of album. Um, but yeah, so I, I try, I try to be the producer that I am as an, as a listener of music. Mm. I try and get my hands on anything I can, and because at the end of the day, it's really about what the song needs. So I don't think of it as a genre. I just think of it as sound, mm. um, and whatever, that, whatever the whatever song, whatever the music needs, as opposed to thinking of oh, this is an R and B song, or this is a this song, or this is a that song. I just think of those as elements, as opposed to um, the song as a genre. If that mm. makes sense. Um, but yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, thank you, Shade Joseph, for being amazing, giving me music life and all the intricacies of what goes into creating great music. Sometimes we take it for granted because we've got so much access to it. People don't always know about the process and working with yeah. artists and it, with its demands and sometimes the constraints and, yeah. you know, making a personalised um, kind of experience when you go to the theatre because sometimes we always focus on the actors and sometimes the yeah. set design, but the music just enhances, isn't it? Just like when you watch a horror film, like just the music what gets you shook. So, yeah. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, exactly. And so the, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Also, the music, the mu- mu- sound design for me is like uh, the person that's that's the quietest in the room, but has the most impact. Mm. What they say. They're not the loudest. They're not the most extroverted um, person, or like somebody that's like people always pay attention to. But when they when they when they speak or when they acknowledge that when people acknowledge their presence, it's important because yeah, without sound design, especially in film, you're not gonna feel the way you feel because otherwise, it, it dictates all the emotional um, aspects of everything. So yeah, it's cool. It's cool. 
Well, thank yeah. you again. Listen again to the Created For You podcast and put a thing in the show notes, listen to Sade and her amazing artistry. So thank you very much for that. All right, see you next time or listen to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Black Creative Handbook, your handbook for success, the manual, what you need to get there. Keep on working with us. Please share, comment, rate us. Just help us out. We help you, you help us. We're family. Speak soon, next time, same time, next week. Show everybody love.